Welcome to the CEC Report. It's the 5th of July. I'm Robert Barwick and I'm joined today by CEC Victoria State Chair and Researcher Jeremy Beck. Welcome Jeremy. Thanks Robbie. In this week's CEC Report, Reserve Bank confirms the crash has started and pharmacy deregulation is bad for your health. Now before we begin, um, Jeremy, I'm I'm sure they're dying to find out what the Reserve Bank is means by the crash has started, but I want to make a few announcements first. Um, uh, this week, uh, it deserves to be mentioned that the Australian newspaper covered the paper, the recent paper put out by Dr. Wilson Sy, the former APRA principal researcher, called The Farce of Fake Regulation. Adam Crichton reported it on the Australian newspaper. It's worth reading his article, and we've reported it's, it, we've, we've covered it in our website as well, the fact that Adam Crichton reported it, because um, Dr. Sy knows everything there is to know about how the regulators work, and he was ignored by the Royal Commission despite making multiple um, submissions and, and offers to them. And there's just also, we're going to talk about Graham Samuel later mm -hmm. on. Graham Samuel, the former ACCC director, has just completed a capability review into APRA. I introduced Samuel to Dr. Sy, and Samuel promised he would talk to him, and of course he didn't, because Samuel is a fake himself. Um, and so he's produced his capability review without consulting the guy who can tell him, look, this is what's wrong with the organisation. But so Dr. Sy put this in writing in this excellent paper, The Farce of Fake Regulation, which is really worth um, reading. Mm -hmm. And now it's been reported. He's getting starting to get some of the media coverage that he deserves. So that's really worth mentioning. People, regular viewers of the show will recognise Dr. Sy as, a, as a, um, a, a guest on this show to talk about what he knows about APRA, etc. So I just wanted to point that out. The other thing quickly, what we cover in this show, we can't do justice to it in the time we have. So you can read the details in our weekly Australian Alert Service magazine. And specific, especially this week, so I'll be talking about the, the front page headline is WA House and the Canary in the Mine. I'll refer to that in a little minute. Um, but you can, you can call in and get a copy of that to read it. And also what we talk about later with um, pharmacies. So just, you know, you want more information on what we're saying, call in on our toll free number. If you haven't got one of these before, get a copy. All right, so with that said, let's get into it. Reserve Bank confirms the crash has started. Now, that's a unique headline. You're only going to get it here <laughs> because the Reserve Bank hasn't said anything of the kind. But I want the viewer to understand, Jeremy, what they learned as a kid. Mm. Actions speak louder than words. So by their words, everything's fine. We're just tweaking at the corners here. Um, there's spare capacity in the employment market. We have to, we have to take that up, etc. Nothing, no worries. <laughs> By their actions, sheer panic. And it's not just the Reserve Bank, but we have every the government and all the authorities manning the pumps. They are, they are, um, they are acting like we're in the middle of the 2008 crisis all over again. Yet where's the crisis? Well, there is a crisis. Just because the media ignores it doesn't mean it's not there and their actions prove it is. So just look at, on the surface, what they've done. We had interest rates at a record low for, of 1.5%. I remember uh, when they hit 3% in the global financial crisis. That was emergency levels. Emergency, Joe Hockey said this is emergency and, and levels. And now it's one third of that, 1%. <laughs> that's right, so they had it at 1.5% yeah. for um, a record amount of time, yeah. right? And finally, after that record amount of time of leaving interest rates untouched, the, instead of the next change being up, recognising that 1.5% was artificially extremely low mm. and they needed to come up a bit, the Reserve Bank has cut not once but twice 
right, down to 1%. Don't believe what they're saying in their speeches. This is sheer panic. They're panicked about every aspect of the economy, to be frank. Um, so let's go through some of it now. They've cut interest rates 1%. They're not just cutting interest rates. They're now talking, people in the Reserve Bank, banks and economists outside the Reserve Bank are now talking um, openly about we have to look at going to quantitative easing, which means effectively just printing money that gets shoveled into the banks, and even helicopter money, which means printing money effectively to put in people's pockets so they can spend it, right? Um, those are not signs of a healthy economy. Mm-hmm. When, when they're, but they're trying to talk about it casually mm-hmm. as if it's the new normal. Well, remember in 2008, the banks nearly went under. They, they went begging to the government for a guarantee. Now we've got so much more debt that nothing was sold. So in effect, what they're worried about is that the whole property bubble is going to collapse and bring down the banks with it. Yes. And, and that's why they want to keep this bubble going. The problem is these poor suckers, they're going to get in now thinking, oh, great, you know, we've got um, better terms, but they're going to be sucked into another debt trap. The bubble's still going to burst. Well, um, Philip Seuss, mm. the economist that I... Uh, interviewed here a few weeks ago, and I'll be interviewing him again next week, by the way, so watch that for that interview coming up. Philip Seuss compared what the government and the authorities are trying to do to trench warfare in World War I, where they blow the whistle and send the poor suckers over the top to storm into machine gun fire. Mm. They all die, never mm. ever worked, mm. right? Um, but that was the way they conducted warfare then. In this case, you, the borrower, are the soldier being sent over the top to die in machine gun fire. That's the logic of what all the authorities are doing at the moment. So here's, here's why you should know that. Forget the headlines at the moment. Prices are not rebounding in the property market. And that's the big one. We've, we've got economy concentrated in a housing bubble and they're desperately trying to get prices up, as Jeremy said, but they're not. So I want to show you a graphic. This is from a, um, a, a, an intrepid uh, Twitterer, uh, and we'll, put, we'll credit, credit him on the screen. Um, sh- took a photo of this and showed it on Twitter. So this is from Core Logic, and what Core Logic does is produce all the data on the property market, right? And, they, and what this graphic claims is that the daily price index um, a few days ago went up. Prices went up in one day. Now, <laughs> you've got to suspend your disbelief when you say how on earth can they measure it, but day by day, right? <laughs> suspend your disbelief. Um, You've got to also ignore who owns CoreLogic. It's owned by these big investment funds, right, like BlackRock. And, that, and the, the index methodology was actually created by Christopher Joy and his crowd. He's the one who famously debated John Adams and was saying there won't be a crash. And he's a, he's a property spruker himself, right? Um, anyway, so they've got claiming you know, the one-day index it has gone up. But even their index, look at the rest of the image there, it shows... Yeah, but monthly, which is a more reasonable measure, mm. and annually, which is obviously a clear measure, still clear falls, right? So what they produce in the daily index is for a headline. Yeah. It's called lies, damn lies, and statistics. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, and, and people need to... That apply, I don't want to get you to go off on a tangent, Jeremy, but that <laughs> applies to every area of science. What statistics have done to science, and people have to understand when they're looking at anything that's the statistics of anything, you've got to question the assumptions and the methodology because it can be so easy to lie with statistics. Um, so that's th- this is CoreLogic's own figures, right? You can see the monthly f- decline and the annual decline is still there. 
Another one, clearance rates. This was, this was also the headline. So every weekend, they have the Saturday auctions, right? And then headline, clearance rates. What are the clearance rates? Because, of course, most of the last year and this year, they just fell and fell and fell and fell and fell, right? And got mm. into the 40s and, mm. and, and, and um, just everyone was panicked. So the headline now is Melbourne and Sydney clearance auction clearance rates. Are, and Melbourne and Sydney, in a sense, to these spruikers and to the government, that's all that matters. Sorry if you're in, everywhere else in Australia. The government doesn't really care. They just want to make sure the Melbourne and Sydney market stays up. That's what's material for the banks, um, and that's what they're concerned about. So Melbourne and Sydney, oh, auction clearance rates are up. But this, so this chart here I'm putting on the screen, this is from Edwin Almeida in Sydney. And Edwin's a real estate expert who has been blowing the whistle on all the lies to do with real estate, both the, both the, the record keeping, the quality of the, of the structures, right? He's the guy who goes, has gone around for years taking photos of how poorly constructed these buildings are in this boom. So he, he, he put this out, um, hence the, the, the funny language at the top. Um, so yeah, clearance rates look great, but look at the volumes, right? That you're talking about half the sales from a year ago. So the clearance rates are higher, but the sales are the actual sales are half that number, right? And they're claiming, oh, that's a rebound. No, it's not a rebound. What they've done is everyone is so freaked out, they've stopped um, putting their homes on the market, right? And so there's fewer markets left and, 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 and um, people get to cherry pick a bit more. Mm-hmm. And in, in Ireland before the crash, you, even in 2008 leading up to the crash, you had a couple of periods where for a month or two, you would have slowdowns in the falls and even slight upticks, but that didn't stop a total, the system totally going off the cliff in 2008, right? So none of these things are true, but they're for headlines. And they're, to make, they're for people to think, oh, let's get back into the market. Anyway, we'll take a quick break because what the next thing that's, that they've done is the worst of all. Welcome back to the CEC Report, where we're talking Reserve Bank confirms the crash has started. And so, Jeremy, before the break, we're talking about the headlines, right? It's all headlines. I want to show you two headlines um, that proves what I'm talking about before we get into the most extreme thing they've done so far. So, Lindsay David of LF Economics is one of the people who, for a long time, has been pointing out things like the fraud in the, um, uh, the mortgage lending, etc., that the banks have engaged in to create, uh, to, to create the bubble in the first place. He, on Monday, this was in the Financial Review on Monday, he showed the, he, he tweeted these two photos, I, so I, I just want to credit Lindsay for the photos. This is the first one that was, it, that was earlier on in the Fin Review, and it shows that credit growth, it's, so it's tucked away in the corner, credit growth is at an all-time low, 3.7%. And then a few pages later in the Financial Review, you see this big spread bot, uh, reporting Christopher Joy saying the party has just started meaning the housing party, the rebound has started, everyone get in. So, and the thing is, the reason why one is so small and one is so big is because they're very contradictory. The bottom line is this, unless, with credit growth at 3.7%, it's at an all-time low. They will never get house prices rising with credit growth that low, Mm. right? Credit growth, that same figure before the GFC um, in 2008 was 12%. And prices plunged, they had to get it up again, and they got that figure up to nearly 9%, and then the prices rose again. Then, then, the prices start, then, then the credit growth fell again, and prices started to cool off and start coming down, and they, got, and they, they um, loosened up all sorts of stuff, and they got up to nearly 8%. 
And since they got, to, that was in 2015, and since then it's come down and down and down and down and down, and now it's at an all-time low of 3.7%. And here's how it works. When banks are, are, are inflating a bubble, you know, house prices, when, when the prices are going up, the mortgage loans for new mortgages have to get bigger, right? And each, each year's mortgages have to be bigger than the year before. And the only way they did that was with fraud, with things like the household expenditure measure, right? Where they said, ignore real expenses, I will just pretend everyone's expenses are $32,000 a year, whether you're on 50,000 or whether you're on 500,000. And that justified all these massive mortgages. Um, they're not, they can't, haven't done that for 18 months, and hence credit growth has fallen through the floor. And while that's still the case, prices are not going anywhere, people. So ignore those headlines. Um, this, was also, this was a subject in the debate between um, John Adams and Christopher Joy. John Adams showed the chart I've just referenced of, of, of the way credit growth defined uh, house prices. Um, but as I said, these are based on a fraud. So this is, so what I'm about to show you, to me, takes the cake, right? Um, the assistant treasurer, Michael Sucker, a liberal government, the liberal government that tells us we have to be responsible with our money. He came out on, th well, on, on Tuesday, the, the headline in the Financial Review was banks slam crackdown on lending. And they're saying, don't, they're saying to ASIC, don't make us have tighter lending standards, right? On Thursday, the headline was Go easy on the banks, says Sucker. And Assistant Treasurer Michael Sucker in, is intervening and he's saying, I'm going to make sure ASIC and APRA encourage the banks to, to loosen their lending standards again so we can, we can get more and bigger loans out there. Well, sorry, all he's doing is encouraging fraud for the reason that you identified, the, mm. to, to get people over the top and um, heading into those machine gun nests, right? Mm. They were a liberal government that uses the importance of being sound with money and balancing budgets as the excuse, their history is using it as the excuse for all kinds of austerity that hurts poor people. Mm. That's their excuse. When it comes to saving this economy, which is a bubble economy, they want everyone to get in as much in unpayable debt as possible. Because if you're being encouraged to lend to people without verifying their expenses, you're being encouraged to put out unpayable loans. Yep. That's, the, that's the bottom line. People will be in deep trouble when the housing bubble bursts if they think that it's going up again now. Yep. And just quickly, I'll, I'll put this on the screen. Martin North of Digital Finance Analytics has this excellent uh, survey he does of a massive sample, 52,000 households. Um, mortgage stress, his latest figures show mortgage stress has climbed to 32%, which is a record on his, which is all-time high for his um, uh, survey. Um, the, uh, that's, that's because we're already saturated with debt yet the Liberal government want to put more on. And where is this going? Well, we'll do more on this in coming weeks. But um, John Adams and I, the economists, in, went to Western Australia last week. We went to places like Mandurah, and we, we, I reported in here, Mandurah, north of Perth. Place, in Mandurah, you've got street after street where for sale signs are everywhere, right? And property prices in Mandurah are down 30%. And that used to be the boom area of Western Australia, right? And if that was translated onto the East Coast, I think we would already see banks starting to fail. That's the bottom line here. But Jeremy, one thing quickly before we go to a break. Um, when Philip Lowe announced the 1% interest, mm. uh, he, he also said, because he's acknowledging that with 1% interest, the Reserve Bank doesn't have much further to cut. He also said mm. uh, the government needs to build infrastructure. Mm. If they had been doing that all along, we probably wouldn't be in this mess, right? 
Well, we put out a, a new citizen newspaper back in 2002 called the Infrastructure Road to Recovery. We saw the, the warning signs that were leading up to the global financial crisis of 2008. So we've been very long on the record saying infrastructure is key, not just as some stimulus not package, stimulus, no. but as a, a long-term driver for economic growth to support manufacturing, to support productive industries. That's, that's really the only way. And have an economy that's not just housing yeah. or mining. Yeah. We should be doing other things in Australia, yeah. but you yeah. need the infrastructure for it. Yeah, exactly. So if, if you don't have that, you've, you've got a short-term fire economy is what we call it, the, the finance, insurance, real estate, services-based economy. But if it's not backed by productive industries, we're in deep trouble, or we are in deep trouble, and we've got to go back to that model that built Australia in the first place. Otherwise, there's no future for the economy in Australia. It's a bubble, it'll burst, and there'll be nothing left. We won't be able to afford the imports that we're enjoying this cushy lifestyle of all these imports coming in if we can't afford to pay for those imports. That's right. Oh, well, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about pharmacies. Welcome back to the CEC Report. Finally, pharmacy deregulation is bad for your health. And this is a public service announcement, effectively, Jeremy, because we've been at this a while, the CEC. We've been going since 1988, 30 years. We have seen the whole history of there's, there's financial deregulation, then there was this other form of deregulation called national competition policy, and it has mm. slaughtered industries across Australia and local production wholesale mm -hmm. and concentrated our economy, our retail economy especially, into the world's most concentrated duopoly, the Coles Woolworths duopoly, mm -hmm. right? In the name of competition. In other words, we've got less competition thanks to 30 years of competition policy. Well, now they're at it again. These guys who should be, some of them probably should be in jail. They should be, they should be laughed out of town with what they've done. Um, go ask dairy, dairy farmers, etc. They're now gearing up to slaughter pharmacies. Right? So, Jeremy, the former boss of the ACCC, Graham Samuel, is leading the charge on this. Yeah. What's he trying to do? The, the main thrust is uh, the locality rules and... Pharmacies uh, have strict locality rules which are uh, driven by the Pharmacy Guild and it's actually benefited customers and, and it allows pharmacies to be located where people are in all areas, country, city, uh, and they don't like the rules in these deregulation models because the big corporate giants, the Coles and Woolies want to get into the game. Uh, also, you've got this... Uh, uh, Walgreens uh, Boots Alliance, which is a massive multinational based headquartered in the United States, which uh, wants to take over Australian pharmacies. They've been eyeing off Australia for numerous years, decades. Because when you and, go to a pharmacy now, yeah. when you walk into a pharmacy, you yeah. uh, most of the time, yeah. if it's not the chemist's yeah. warehouse, yeah. you're walking into something owned by the person who's behind the counter. Yeah, you know, today, uh, under current rules, a pharmacist must own a pharmacy, a registered pharmacist. Yeah. Uh, so the, these um, big business want to just wipe out all the, the, the tiny, you know, ordinary community pharmacies. Uh, currently, we have 5,700 pharmacies in Australia. There's been forecasts by some independent pharmacies who say in a few years' time, those 5,700 pharmacies could be wiped out to down to 2,000 pharmacies. And... Now, that, that will be just taken over by big business. So there's something twisted in the reporting here. And this includes the good old ABC. Yeah. Yeah. 
they're mixing up who is David and who is Goliath, aren't they? <laughs> oh, exactly right. I mean, look, here we've got the community pharmacies uh, up against the, the likes of a massive multinational uh, Walgreens Boots Alliance. They, they've just registered a, a patent with IP Australia. So they, they want to come in here and take it over. Coles and Woolies obviously do. But people will lose out that basic care. Uh, you know, well, the pharmacist what... spends time with, with um, patients. That, that's right. Elaborate yeah. on that. That's the health... Yeah. Yeah. That's why we're saying this could be bad for your health. Oh, exactly right. Uh, you know, if they're under the pump just for shareholder value, well, then they're not interested in you know, making sure that you haven't mixed certain medications that shouldn't be mixed or whatever it might be to discuss these issues with the patients. They're just out there just pumping drugs. Um, and plus, I know, plus, isn't there a possibility yeah. that the, the big drug companies mm. can influence the big pharmacy chains over, as to which drugs they do push? Well, that's right. It would be based on shareholder value, not people's health. And the Pharmacy Guild uh, did even make a warning uh, way back in the submission in June 2014. I'll just read out just a short part which I thought was very pertinent. They said the corporate pharmacy model would see a fundamental change to the provision of pharmacy services to the Australian public from the primarily patient-centric model of community pharmacy sector to a corporate pharmacy model with a shareholder-centric focus on maximising shareholder value. And that, that is very, very true in, on a lot of the drugs. They're just pumping out. They're, they're not concerned about patients' health. They're concerned about making big bucks. Uh, and, and these locality rules, that would ensure that a lot of people who do have access to a pharmacy would not because the big giants, they'll wipe out the competition. Just this look at Coles and Woolies have, have wiped out a lot of the smaller supermarkets or the banks the banks is a good example where, you know, they used to have banks in you know, small rural towns. Now it's no longer profitable. Oh, well, yeah. we'll move the bank out, the town dies. That, just imagine if you have a small local pharmacy in a town, they can't compete with the chemist warehouse and the, the big giants. Oh, well, they'll, they'll be wiped out. And then those people in that little town, they won't have access to a pharmacy. Well, they said, just to uh, wrap this up, one of the things I noticed is the AB, in the ABC, it called the Pharmacy Guild the most powerful lobby you've never heard of. Mm -hmm. When all that means is they are they are they're spread around Australia, so they actually have access to the public. And if they have power, it's only because they can talk to their customers, saying, "Look what's going to be done to us." Yeah. Because when you put them up against these huge multinationals and Coles and Woolies, come on, that's <laughs> Goliath, not the Pharmacy <laughs> Guild, right? So that's exactly just, that's right. just twisted. Yeah. And. Um, I just wonder because we've followed national competition policy across the board. Yeah. Most of the most of the regulations that national competition policy targeted to destroy mm. were ones that were about, in a sense, um, encouraging local communities. Right. Mm. So you would have the reason we had a regulated dairy industry was so the people in North Queensland knew that their milk, even though it was more expensive to produce than if it was produced in Victoria, it was fresh. It was produced right there. Mm. Right. Mm. And now that's all gone. Um, mm. Things like councils. They brought in compulsory competitive tendering so that the Orange Council or the Bathurst Council or the Toowoomba Council or the, the Mount Isa Council, if they had to do a job and tender, get, get, local, uh, get companies to tender for it, instead of getting the local companies to do it, they had to open it up to 
Brisbane companies and multinational companies. And of course, those big ones came in and destroyed the local, you know, without the, the, the local industries being able to do, do local jobs, you know, life is more difficult for them and they, they're getting their business taken by the big guys, right? Mm-hmm. This has been, and, and it's just has not resulted in competition. It's resulted in less competition. The whole thing's a fraud. So we're highlighting it here. So do not fall for it. They're going to tell you it's good for you, the consumer, on prices. It's not good for your country. We're out of time. Jeremy, thanks very much. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for more.